Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the T with Chris Mascaro, the show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the Tee. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the World Golf Village, the Leather Shop, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Company. Great play, great folks over at the Bobby Jones uh, Company, folks. Also by Holder Golf and Frogger Golf. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and let me just quickly say, if, you, if you're not sure who the folks over at Holder Golf are, go online to HolderGolf.com and check out their putters. I'm just saying, they sent me a putter, and, and you know they've added sort of a different twist on the putter lie angle, so your arms are you know more able to you know hang freely and comfortably down you know down by your you know down by your belt line and that sort of thing, and and you know we're so used to the usual upright shaft angle. Well, I dropped a, a dozen balls down from about ten feet away and made all ten, folks, and I said, you know what, I'm sold. Get me one of these putters. So you need to go online and check them out again, HolderGolf.com. Uh, This morning, I have two great guests that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. First up, I'm going to get a return visit from PGA professional Chris Sheehan, and I'll talk with Chris about his thoughts on what he's seen so far uh, from uh, golf being back in the Olympics. We saw the men's side, you know, complete their their event, and now the women are out playing. So get uh, Chris's thoughts on Olympic golf. We'll also talk about his time working up at Oak Hill and at Inverness, plus his opinion on new PXG golf clubs. Uh, he tweeted out about those uh, not all that long ago, so we'll talk about that and a whole lot more when Chris joins me here in just a few moments. My second guest today is Andy Trainer, and Andy is a TrackMan Master Professional. We'll talk in detail about what we can learn about our swings and the uh, variety of data that's available when we go into a TrackMan and use the TrackMan device. So I'm uh, very interested to get Andy's thoughts on that. He's from the UK, and he spent time as a club pro at some very historic golf courses over in the UK. The Chingford Golf Course dates back to 1886, so we'll talk about that and get some playing lessons from him and from Chris when uh, when both join me. Andy will be along a little bit later in this half hour. So we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. I'm so glad that you've chosen to allow us to be part of your day today. And like I mentioned a moment ago, moment ago, we're sponsored by the French Lick Resort, which is an absolutely spectacular place, folks. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of last year's Senior PGA Championship and the LPGA Legends Championship, which they are hosting again this year and is going on right now. Go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself just how great a place it is and to book your stay. We're also sponsored by our friends over at The Leather Shop, makers of top-quality custom-made leather dress, casual, and golf shoes. Folks, do your feet a favor and put them inside shoes. They're going to keep them feeling good and looking good all day long. You can find them online at the-leather-shop.com. Also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the World Golf Village, located in historic St. Augustine, Florida. It's also the home of the World Golf Hall of Fame. My buddies and I, we did our annual golf trip down there a few weeks ago and had just an absolutely fabulous time. No matter the time of year or the length of your visit, folks, the World Golf Village is sure to deliver an experience, you know, with family and friends, and you're going to make memories that are going to last you a lifetime. For more information, go to worldgolfvillage.com online or give them a call, 
9484653. We want to welcome our new friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore, or as I recall, as I refer to it as a golf wonderland and the best place to get everything, you know, that you need to look great and play great when you're out on the golf course. Check out all of their great items from golf balls to clubs to range finders and so much more. Find them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Also, our friends at Globe, uh, Jones Global Sports and the Bobby Jones Company, like I mentioned a moment ago, such great people. Andy Bell, their CEO, joined us here a, a, a few weeks ago. Folks, raise your game to new heights in performance with a brand that's been known for style, character, and excellence for the last 25 years, and that's the Bobby Jones Company. They have an inspired collection of products that capitalize on fabric technology to deliver a modern look and performance while honoring the legacy of Bobby Jones, and it delivers on the promise of enduring style. They work hard to earn your respect, your trust, and your business, and even more importantly, your long-term friendship. Communicate that you're here to stay by wearing clothes from a brand that has been known for enduring style and presence, and that's Bobby Jones Company. Check out all their great styles by going to bobbyjones.com. And while you're on their site, click on the equipment link to see the great line of drivers, fairway woods, hybrids, and putters designed by one of the game's most influential uh, equipment designers ever, and that's Jesse Ortiz. Like his father, Lou, and Bobby Jones himself, Jesse has a passion for golf and club, uh, golf club design. You remember his great tri-wood medals? Remember those, you know, tri-wood medals with the low-profile woods that we all had in our golf bags from Olimar? Well, now he's putting his innovative designs and creativity, you know, to work making great equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. And you can get there directly by going online to bobbyjonesclubs.com. And folks, every week here on Next on the T, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We want to thank all of you for the daily sacrifice that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank our veterans out there for all that you and your families have done for us over the years as well. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Folks, if you happen to see a member of our military when you're out and about, whether you know it's you know, in your everyday life, whether you're in the airport, at a restaurant, at the grocery store, wherever you may be, please stop for a moment and tell them thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the great folks over there at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is such an honor for us to have our show next on the T be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to continue to remind our veterans, please go to globalvoiceforveterans.org. It is a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for our veterans out there that I'm, I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Chris Sheehan. Let me uh, remind you about Chris's background. He was the captain of the baseball and hockey teams at Trinity College up in Hartford, Connecticut, and was an all-region and all-American nominee in both. In golf, Chris won the 2003 Western New York PGA Section Assistant Professional Championship and tied for 38th at the TaylorMade Adidas National Assistant Professional Championship later that same year. He's been a PGA professional since 1999, and he has worked at clubs like Bighorn Golf Club, Oak Hill Country Club, Inverness, Tuscany Reserve Golf Club, Gateway Golf and Country Club, and now he's the director of golf at Pelican's Nest Golf Club down in Bonita Springs, Florida. He spent six seasons working alongside three of Golf Digest's top 100 instructors, including two of Claude Harmon's sons, Bill and Craig Harmon, plus Todd Stones as well. In 2009, Chris was the uh, PGA South Florida Section's Private Club Merchandiser of the Year. 
He's also the president of the Southwest Florida chapter of PGA Professionals, and uh, I am very excited to get to have him back again with me and next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, good morning, Chris. This is wonderful. Thanks for having me back. Uh, been looking forward to this for a long time since our last chat, and uh, looking forward to to what we have this morning. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Chris. So, Chris, you know, the thing that's you know, been dominating the news around golf, you know, over the last couple of weeks has been, you know, the Olympics and golf's return to it. Like I said in the intro, we've, we've seen the men's side complete their, uh, complete their event with Justin Rose taking home the gold, Henrik Stenson, the silver, Matt Kuchar brings back to the U.S. the bronze, and now uh, we've got the ladies out there playing. Now, curious to get your thoughts, did, you know, did you watch any of it? And if you did, what did you think of, uh, you know, of the event that we've seen so far? You know, I have. I was I was very interested in 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 golf's return to the Olympics. Um, I'm I'm actually watching the the girls right now as we speak, and uh, you, you know, I I think uh, the golf course design uh, was was great. It, it, you didn't have to hit it, you know, 350 yards to compete. You had to really work your golf ball in both directions. You had to be very creative around the greens. And I think once the Olympics ends at this golf course, at Olympic Golf Club, it, it's going to leave a footprint for design that says, you know what, you don't have to have a 1,000 bunkers and you don't have to have greens that, that are rolling 14. Um, and I think it's going to be, it's going to be a great place for, for the Brazilians to actually pick up the game and learn. And, and the pace of play in these in these events, you know, has been 30 to 40 minutes quicker than a than a PGA Championship or a U.S. Open, which I think has been awesome to watch as well. Uh, and to see, you know, the, the girls get get really into it. I know I know that there were some concerns health wise uh, going into it, but it's been really cool, and I think uh, it's gonna. I think it will grow the game, and and I think uh, it's a step in the right direction, and uh, you know the the desire to compete in the Olympics. I know it's relatively new a hundred years, but uh, for golfers, I think that'll continue to grow and grow and, and put golf. Uh, hopefully golf will, will become one of the, uh, the staple events uh, for the Olympics and one of the, uh, one of the driving forces for men's and women's competitions and qualifications throughout the years to come. I think it's been great. Just truly enjoyed it. You know, Chris, and you mentioned a moment ago, you know, a lot of, you know, some of the top golfers, right, on the men's side particularly were, were citing the health concerns and they they decided to, you know, to not be a part of the Olympics this, this time around. Do you think, you know, af- after having seen the event and how it played out and that sort of thing, do you think any of them, you know, maybe uh, regretting the decision not to go? You know, in a moment of honesty, yeah, uh, but I can't fault anyone for, for deciding not to go, uh, especially – you know, if you listen to, to much of the, the media that preceded the Olympics, there was a lot of health concerns. Um, there was a lot of uh, security concerns. And perhaps, you know, it, it was inflated. And, uh, and it, it appears that the Brazilians have put on a spectacular show. Um, but anyone who decided for whatever reason it was, whether it was, you know, schedule or competition or, or health reasons, um, you know, I, I can't. I can't not but support whatever decisions they made in the best interest of, of themselves or their families or, or whatever uh, came into the, mm-hmm. into that decision. Um, you know, it's, if it was in the United States with those top players have played, probably um, whatever they have chosen to do, I, I can't fault them either way, either way. Right. 
And one of the other things you, you sort of alluded to a moment ago, Chris, is, you know, the, the design of this golf course and, you know, and the length of golf courses, right? I mean, some, some of the things that, you know, makes golf a, a little more prohibitive for, for, you know, a lot of us to play is the cost of playing. And uh, we saw here, to your point, that this isn't, this isn't a, a 7,500-yard golf course. And, you know, so many of our golf courses here, particularly when, you know, we're, we're hosting, you know, the major championships or even, you know, week-to-week play out on the PGA Tour, golf courses are, are so long. And because they are so long, it requires, you know, a lot of irrigation and water and upkeep and all of those sorts of things. I think you're. I think you're right. I think this golf course proves to us, and we saw it. We've seen it a little bit in some other some other courses, you know, hit, you know, around the U.S. and even over in in Europe. But you know, you don't have to have a 7,500 yard. I mean, you know, the heck, some of the golf courses we're seeing nowadays are stretched all the way out. If you really put the you know the the tees back to the tips, are starting to tickle 8,000 yards. Right? You know, we don't. You don't have to do that. Right? Isn't isn't there a way for us to design golf courses? that, you know, don't have to have that, you know, that much yardage and have to have that much upkeep and that much maintenance and all of that sort of thing. So that, you know, Hey, the pros can still go out there and play it and it can be a challenging track for, for them. Plus it makes the game more affordable for the rest of us. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. It's a very complex question. Um, but you know, this golf course next week could host a junior tournament. Um, and the week after that could host a, a you know, a, a, a Paralympic championship. It's, it's, it's that uh, economically uh, feasible and it's that ergonomically and environmentally uh, thought provoking. You know, you essentially have one, one strand of grass. It's all seashore past Palin. They have two modes of, they have two uh, heights of cut, basically the tees, the fairways, the rough, it's all the same cut. So you just throw one blade height and you just have at it. Um, you've got uh, plenty of natural areas. You've got some bunkers, and and it's it's relatively low maintenance. Um, it is in somewhat of a warm place. You can see the golf course drying out as the weather got as the weather heated up. I mean, the men played in a couple days. It was cold, and it rained prior to it. So now that you see that the rain is sort of soaked all in, and the temperatures have heated up, you see the golf course drying out. So it's not like they're trying to present a golf course that doesn't have a blade of grass out of place or bunkers that have to be pristine or greens that have to roll 15. Uh, I think they did a wonderful job for, for the area where it's placed and, uh, and the economy that needs to support it. And, you know, they can have a very small maintenance crew. They can have a very small, uh, you know, capital budget with their equipment because it doesn't require, you know, six different heights of cut and uh, tons of bunker maintenance and, and green speeds and things like that. If it, if it gets dry, it'll brown out. That's okay, too. Uh, right. I, I think they did a, re- a really neat job, just a really neat job. What are, the only thing I'd really like to see is I wish the men and women competed the same week. I think it would have been great for the eyes of golf to see men and women competing on the same golf course under the same conditions. Uh, you, you put, you know, just like a, a regular tour event, there's always an AM, PM shift from Thursday and Friday. Right. You could put the guys out Thursday morning. And Friday afternoon, and the girls out uh, Friday afternoon, Thursday morning, they would have got the same conditions. You would have had male eyes watching female golf and female eyes watching male golf, and I think that would have even helped it even more. And and for those young girls and young boys who who look at the, their heroes and say, you know what, I remember when, when Dustin Johnson hit seven iron into this hole and, and Lydia Coe hit, hit seven iron as well. And it, it, you could test each other's skills on the same golf course at the same time. I think that would have been neat. Hopefully. Yes. 
I'd, I'd rather not idea. see it go to match play, but I'd like to see them play together. I think that'd be neat. Um, I think that'd be really cool for golf. Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic idea. I've not, you know, I've not heard someone suggest that, but I think that would be absolutely great. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great idea. Hopefully, hopefully we can get a few ears on that idea and maybe we can see something uh, four years from now or even, you know, heck, I'm, you know, out on the tour. How great would that be to see, you know, uh, you know, we just call it the U.S. Open. It's not the, you know, the men's open or the, or, or the, you know, the LPGA you know, U.S. Open, it's it's the U.S. Open, and we get to see the men and the women, to your point, you know, and, and I guess it's harder when you've got, you know, 100, you know, plus 150 golfers, you know, teeing off, you know, at the same time. But if you pared down the field a little bit and, uh, right. and uh, you know, got to see them all on the same course at the same time, but, boy, that's a great idea. Yeah, maybe we get a few ears yeah. on that, Chris. Great thought. Yeah, specific to these, specific to these field sizes, it's it's completely doable. And then the other thing that struck me about the Olympics is you either finish first, second, or third, or you get nothing. And I just think that's awesome. And it reminds <laughs> me of, uh, not that I played, but, uh, but it reminds me of junior golf. Um, you're either, you know, you either win, uh, it's, it's gold, silver, bronze, or, or thanks for coming. And I just think that's really cool. And I think, uh, I think that will also um, sort of churn the, the fire inside of uh some of the world's top players to see truly it's not about a paycheck and uh, you've got to play good for two years to qualify. And then once you get in, it's, it's here's maybe a cup of coffee, but if you don't play well, you're not getting anything. So I think that'd be really cool. Uh, I love Indeed. that concept. Yeah. Top three or bust. There you go. Chris, let's talk a little bit, you know, as we talk about course and course design and length and that sort of thing, let's, let's talk about your home course right now. Pelican's nest is, you know, you look over the, the, uh, a wide variety of tee options and you know i know you're a big proponent of play your tee and let's let our tee it forward let's let's talk a little bit about you know about that as i look you know the uh the extreme length i guess if you played you know all the way at the tips you're looking at uh, a little over seven thousand yards but you have a wide variety of tee lengths from ranging from that seven thousand yards all the way down to five thousand yards talk about your golf course and uh, and the idea of playing your tees yeah, this is an exciting time for the club. We're finishing up our second uh, second year of a two-year uh, golf course reconstruction. Uh, we're we're replacing all of the original greens um, and reconstructing to to the original specifications of of Jan Beljan and, and Tom Fazio. Um, redoing all the bunkers. Uh, we did the fairways uh, this summer on the on the Gator Golf Course. And, and what we did is, is you know, we, we had the opportunity um, instead of excavating uh, the greens and, and paying someone to take that the material off site, we we turned those old greens into into you know legitimate size, strategically placed uh, tee boxes, so we could create a golf course at 4,000 yards, which um, which we call our scoring course, which allows our our aging players to to enjoy it, which involve uh, allows our our beginner men and women to enjoy it. And we've incorporated that scoring course into a lot of the competitions that we've utilized the staff with. We're running a summer Beat the Pro series uh, for eight weeks this summer, and every third event is from 4,000 yards. And uh, it's a stable for format, and the members go out and, and try and get to a number, and, and, the, and the staff goes out, and we try and post a low number that they have to beat. And quite honestly, our biggest thrashing was from the scoring tees at 4,000 yards. We got absolutely murdered. <laughs> because we didn't know how to play that golf course. 
you know, everybody's used to hitting drivers and three woods, and all of a sudden you got to hit five iron sandwich, and you you find out how poor your short game is, and how you know how poor your <laughs> your wedge game is, and your putting is, and then you've got a 26 handicapper who could never reach a par four or par five in regulation, and and all of a sudden uh, you know they can reach because they're playing a golf course that fits their ability. They can hit a tee shot, and they can hit an iron into the green. And folks that have higher handicaps usually have hit a lot more short game shots, so they're many times more proficient in their short game than people that hit a lot of fairways and greens. And uh, and we got killed. We had a lady last week who got 62 points in a stable for format with a wow. 26 handicap, and she was ecstatic. And uh, we had a, we had another lady a couple weeks prior to that who shot 81 with a 27 handicap because she was playing a golf course that fit. She could reach, and, she, and it told her how good she was actually in and around the greens, and if she could only reach and play her game to a golf course where she could uh, she could hit a drive and hit, a, hit an iron and possibly putt for birdie, uh, what her potential actually was. So it, it's it's been quite a, a renaissance at the club in the last uh, 11 months with having these scoring tees. Last year, the hurricane was complete, and in about 60 days, the Gator will be complete. So we'll have 36 holes of golf from 7,000 yards to 4,000 yards, which is uh, really exciting for the club. And uh, yeah. it's, summer. it's been exciting to watch and, and it's exciting to, to see people get jazzed up about golf who have been playing golf for 30 years and still shoot 93 or 94 that, that now when you convince them that, Hey, this is my golf course and I can shoot 80 and maybe break 70 sometimes. Uh, it's been neat. It's been fun to be a part of. That's for sure. Yeah. And then to that point, Chris, right. I mean, it's, you know, golf, you know, a lot of times, and I think historically, right. We have, we have forced golfers to play from, you know, two or three, maybe four T, you know, T lengths. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of times because, you know, of our buddies and our egos more, you know, moreover, you know, we're, we're playing a set of T's that really isn't right for us. Right. And you, you talk about, you know, getting stuck, you know, I get stuck, you know, shooting in the nineties or, you know, around a hundred or whatever it is. Right. Because I'm playing, you know, without, with all of my friends and I don't want to walk up to the, you know, to be the lone guy that go up to the white tees or the, the gold tees or whatever <laughs> the more forward tees are. But really when we start to do that and we start to get over, you know, get over that stuff and go out there, it makes the game more fun. Does it not? I mean, we, we feel better about ourselves because we went out and maybe we broke 80 for the first time or broke 90 for the first time. It makes us, you know, generate more excitement to want to go out and play more because when you get beat down and you, you know, you shoot 98 again, and you're just stuck there. It's a boy. It, it, it makes the game not not that much fun. I don't want to go back out there and take that beating again. But if I can go and move up a little bit or play the right team that's designed for my game, or a course like yours that you know has a lot of options that's designed for my game, it makes it more fun, and I want to play more, right? Yes, I mean I think that's inherent in any human being. Uh, you know the the, the the desire to compete, whether it's against others or against yourself or against the golf course. If I shot 96 every time I played golf, I would not play golf anymore. That's just, that's just me. Um, right. I have, I have an expectation of what I'm a realistic expectation of what I think I, I understand that I'm going to have good days and bad days. But if my expectation came down to be 96 as a PGA professional, I just, I would, I would rather be a bartender to be quite honest with you uh, <laughs> because it's just, that's just <laughs> not who I am. And so if I can put myself in an environment where I can find, you know, and it's not necessarily athletics, but if I can find a, a business environment that I can exceed in and, and have success in, I'm going to, I'm going to want to, you know, indulge myself in the pursuit of that excellence and to, 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 
to put yourself in an environment where you consistently fail um, is is one of the reasons why people don't play golf. And I think that this golf course here at Olympic Park uh, tells you that. It, it, you know, and it's funny just watching this telecast right now. It looks like the winning score is going to be almost identical. It looks like the bronze medal, uh, the the silver medal score is going to be almost identical. Uh, this is pretty neat. Uh, it's 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 two different quality players, uh, two different genders playing an identical golf course, and they're going to shoot the same numbers. So it tells you how bo- good both of them are, and it tells you how well this golf course fits players. But what mm-hmm. it also tells you is that anybody can play at this golf course. It doesn't have to be, you know, Oakmont at 7,000 yards to, to, to show the world how good these players are. They can play the same golf course uh, one week apart, and they're going to shoot the same numbers. Uh, it's really neat. That's, it's another – it's just something that pops in your head when you're watching this telecast. The scores are going to be the same, which is awesome. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I saw on your Twitter feed that uh, you recently tested out the PXG golf clubs and, uh, you know, and thought that, you know, they were good, as good, if not better than ever. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on what you think of them and uh, what you think makes them uh, a little bit better than, uh, than what you thought. I didn't know what to expect, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I got a phone call from, from my, uh, my PXG rep who, who, I actually knew six or seven years ago and uh, he said, I'd like to show you this stuff. And I said, that's great. I've never even seen it, never picked it up. And he came out in the truck and uh, I had a couple of my staff members and uh, it just felt, uh, the wedges felt extremely soft, um, really quiet. Um, The irons just felt extremely uh, forgiving, which is, I, I don't think that's part of their vocabulary. They're just trying to build golf clubs that perform but it, it felt forgiving and you know i'm a guy with three back surgeries and and i've got graphite regular shafts and uh, you know i can certainly feel vibrations and things like that it's just something i've had to deal with for 11 years but it, they were very solid um the drivers were very long uh longer than what i play um and it was i had you know the guy who runs my outside services he had some shots and uh, i had a 82 year old member next to me and he was hitting shots and um so we kind of ran the spectrum of, of who was who was trying out the equipment, and it, and it was uh, across every level of play uh, and every age and every handicap. It was it was a resounding "these are good" type of review for us. It, it was neat. Uh, I was very thankful that he came by. So we're gonna bring PXG back to the club in November, and uh, and have uh, conduct a fitting day with our members. And uh, it's unique in the in the way they do it. They don't do demo days. That you know, it's not a uh, it's not a a two hour or six hour open window to just come up and try. They actually want people that are interested in, in purchasing and uh, they give you an eye, you know, you get a window for an iron fitting or two hours for a total bag fitting. And uh, it's an, it's an interesting concept. It's not just uh, show up and try it and, t- and kick the tires and, and walk away. It's a, I'm interested in what you have uh, to, to, to offer. And, uh, and I'm a buyer and, and we'd like to give you two hours of our time. So I, it's neat. Uh, I'm looking forward to them coming to the club. I, I think uh, we'll start marketing it to our members that uh, that that's a, a strategy we're going to use in the fall with PXG, and, and we'll see where it goes. But I was thoroughly impressed with the equipment, as were the people that hit the, hit the equipment as well. Chris, just, and I'm uh, we're talking with Chris Sheehan here on, on Next on the T. And, Chris, a couple more before we let you go. Let's get a, a playing lesson for, for our folks about to, to hit the golf course today or, you know, tomorrow. And um, 
you know, I got to imagine you guys have a lot of sand traps on your horses down there in Florida. And sand play, quite honestly, is one of the weakest parts of my game. For those of us that are headed to the course to play and, and we struggle, you know, getting out of the sand consistently, what, what's a tip that can help us uh, be more successful when we unfortunately find ourselves in a sand trap? Well, I think the most important aspect of, of good sand play is to actually use the, the equipment the way it was designed. Um, you know, when you, when you pull a seven iron from 150 yards in the fairway, you, you square the club up so that so that the, the club face is designed to enter the sand and cut through it and create a divot and and, and launch the ball at a certain trajectory. Uh, playing with with sand wedges, you know, there, there's a there's a lot of bounce. Uh, there's different designs in the bottom of the club, the flange of the club, and a sand wedge is designed to bounce. Uh, it's not designed to dig. So if you if you get over a bunker shot and you square your club your, your sand wedge up like you're squaring up a seven iron in the middle of the fairway, you're gonna cr- you're gonna create a, a massive hole, and that that sort of resistance with with the bunker sand is not going to propel the ball. It's going to slow your club down, and, and a lot of times people that leave the ball in the bunker are holding their club the wrong way. So what I would advise everyone to do is to is to take their club in, in their hands and take their grip, and, and most grips have a have a, a logo on it or a tick mark, whether it says Titleist on the bottom of, of the grip or it says Ping on the bottom of the grip, or you'll see a couple of hash lines that are engraved into the grip. Once you take your grip with your club in a straight fashion, why don't you turn it 45 degrees so that, so that the face of the club points to the right. That will open up the club face, but what it also does is it puts the flange and the sole of the club in contact with the sand. So instead of digging, your club is going to actually bounce through the sand, and that bounce is going to allow the club to continue to accelerate because most folks that have trouble in bunkers, they're decelerators. They get these big, massive swings and try and dig a hole and, and stop and control the distance of their shot with the length of their follow-through. And you watch these guys and girls on TV during this Olympics. Their bunker swings are just about full swings, and they control the distance of their shots with the amount of loft that they use. And that loft is created by rotating the club to the right, whether it's 10 degrees or 20 degrees or 50 degrees, depending on how high and short or how low and far you want to hit a bunker shot. So I would really practice uh, taking the grip properly with a sand wedge. It shouldn't be sold so that the club face is straight to the target. The club face should be to the right. And then because the club face points to the right, you have to aim your body to the left so that when you make contact with the sand, the ball moves towards the target and not towards the, uh, the direction that you're swinging in because the club is basically a crooked club. You're just making a swing with a crooked club, but you're utilizing the club the way it was designed. Use the bottom of that club, use the bounce of the club, and let the club do the work for you rather than everyone trying to make this big hard swing and decelerating through it and creating too much sand by digging too much with a, a club that is held improperly. All right, there you go. Give that a try. Hopefully it get, gets me in and out of the sand a little bit better uh, this week. I'm moreover, I hope I don't get in the sand, but if I do, <laughs> I'm going to use that. Chris, remind our listeners, how can they follow you both uh, online and over social media as well? Uh, well, you can, you can take a peek at the club. We're at uh, www.nestgolf.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at PN. GCDOG dot or whatever PNGCDOG, which is Pelicans Nest Golf Club Director of Golf, PNGCDOG. I'm on Facebook as well. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know how you find me there, but I'm out there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know everybody's always welcome. I always put my my 
my private numbers on those uh, things for anybody who wants to call and chat. And uh, it was neat. After our last conversation, uh, I had some folks uh, from Michigan give me a call about what we did with the golf course and seeing it forward and some of the things we did with the redesign. So uh, I'm very appreciative to, to you, That's Chris. Great. And, and next on the tee and, and, uh, and creating a little bit more positive vibe on playing it forward and designing golf courses that fit all levels of players. So uh, I'm thankful for, for being an invited guest on your show. It's really a privilege. I appreciate it, Chris. It's always great having you here. I hope you'll come back again soon and uh, and share more of your thoughts and insights with us. Always, you know, I really enjoyed the uh, the two hours. Yeah, now the second opportunity to have you as part of the show. You're fantastic. I hope you get. Uh, I hope you'll you know, do us the privilege of coming back again real soon. One hundred percent. You can call me anytime. You know that. But uh, I, appreciate I appreciate it very you. much, Chris. All right. Take care, Chris. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up again real soon. Take care. Thank you. You bet. That was uh, Chris Sheehan. He is PGA professional down at Pelican's Nest down there in, in uh, Bonita Springs, Florida. Check him out online and over Twitter as well. Great stuff. Great guy. And uh, we uh, certainly look forward to having Chris back on the show again with us, like I say, here real soon. All right, before we get to our next guest, Andy Trainer, I want to give a shout out to our friends. You heard me talking about it at the top of the show, our friends at the World Golf Village. Again, my buddies and I, we uh, we had just a great time. We had our guys trip there this year, and just the folks there were fantastic. From from the you know from the hotel that we got to stay at there at the Renaissance to the folks at the over at their golf academy to the people that we dealt with at their golf courses, uh, all fantastic folks. Again, it is located in historic St. Augustine, Florida, just south of Jacksonville. It is the ultimate golf vacation destiny with a, a, a true paradise for, you know, for we golf fans. The village, as it's referred to, uh, uh, you know, by the locals down there, you know, it uh, is also the home of the World Golf Hall of Fame, where the greatest players and contribu- contributors to the game of golf are honored. It includes 70,000 square feet of displays, trophies, and personal memorabilia. The World Golf Village, they also have two championship golf courses right there on site, including the King and the Bear, co-designed by Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus, and the Sam Sneed and Gene Sayers and Masterpiece, the Slammer and the Squire. Golfers looking to tune up their game, like Eric mentioned a moment ago, you can book some time and get a lesson at their golf academy, the PGA Tour Golf Academy that's down there. Featuring the latest in learning technologies and, and world-class instructors, the guys that worked with us were absolutely spectacular, really helped us out a lot. Uh, like I say, the, you got a luxurious you know, place to stay when you're down there. That's the Renaissance Resort, offering an array of amenities, dining options, premier services. Folks, no matter the time of year or the length of your visit, the World Golf Village is sure to deliver an unmatched experience with family and friends. You're going to make memories that are going to last you a lifetime. For more information, go to worldgolfvillage.com or give them a call, 1-800-948-4653. We'll get to Andy Trainer on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Andy Trainer. Let me give you some background on Andy. He is a TrackMan Master Professional and Lead Golf Instructor at the Plain Truth Golf Academy in Waters Creek down in Dallas. Andy spent years as a teaching professional and head golf pro over in England at clubs, uh, clubs like Chestnut Park Golf Course and the Chingford Golf Course just outside of London. Turned pro back in 1984, and he is the only Chackman master professional down there in the state of Texas. And I'm very honored to get to have some time with him and have him next on the tee with me this morning. Good morning, Andy. Thank you for joining me. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for inviting me on. 
So, Andy, talk about what the Plain Truth Golf Academy is and uh, exactly what it means to be a TrackMan Master Professional. Well, the Plain Truth Golf Academy uh, at Waters Creek um, is basically where we fix impact um, for golfers. Um, Jim Hardy um, wrote the golf book, The Plain Truth Golf, um, back in, I think it was 2000, um, and with uh, Chris O'Connell, Matt Kucher's coach, um, set up a certification program for golf professionals to learn about uh, their work. And that was how I come to, to meet Chris and, and Jim and subsequently work with them down at, at Waters Creek. So we believe that, I mean, our, our, most, our mantra, if you like, is that um, the only thing that matters is impact is correct and repetitive. The method for achieving that is of no consequence so long as the method is correct and repetitive. And, and Andy, you know, we, we hear a lot about TrackMan, to your point here, you know, when we're, when we're watching golf on TV. Talk, talk about what it is exactly and what we can learn from, you know, having our swings analyzed by it and the data that comes from it. Well, obviously, when we hit a golf ball, we have internal uh, forces in, uh, that we apply to the golf ball. And then we have external forces that apply to the, that apply to the golf ball, i.e. wind, the way the ball bounces, etc., and we have no control over over those. If you like, we are just basically um, kind of working out what we think it's going to do. But what TrackMan does, it measures the internal forces that we apply. So we apply four forces to a golf ball uh, when we when we impact it: the dynamic loft, the attack angle, the club face direction, and the club path. Those four forces. All combined to make up the overall flight and the spin of the golf ball, and Trackman is basically telling us what those are. You know, what 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 is that the club face doing at impact? What is the club path doing at impact? What is the attack angle, and and what is the dynamic loft? And it will give us basically the the, the information that we need to fix things. If the person interpreting that data interprets it correctly then they can, can change that for the better. However, you, you, you know, the same as every, everything that people interpret, it can be interpreted incorrectly, and then maybe it doesn't get changed for the better. So, Andy, when you talk about you know, some of the internal forces, you mentioned dynamic loft. What is dynamic loft? So dynamic loft is the loft delivered from the club face to the ball. So when we say set up with a 30-degree uh, golf club, Say, for instance, when I grew up, 30 degrees was a five iron. It's now nearer a seven iron. Um, and let's say we lean the handle forwards and we lean our body forwards. Um, and so that 30 degrees of loft may be turned into 20 degrees of loft. And so obviously, depending on how someone delivers the golf club, is the loft delivered to the ball. So what you're measuring there is, you know, am I keeping my five iron at a five iron loft? Or am I, Correct. you know, e- either increasing or de- decreasing loss? So you're, you're trying to measure, making Correct. sure I'm hitting, I'm hitting the right, I'm hitting at the right angle based on the on the club that I've chosen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, someone obviously who's who's, who's taken a lot of loft off of the golf club. I mean, they they may struggle to hit their um, their, their long irons up in the air, which is then why 
obviously hybrids have, have come into the game. So yes, most mm-hmm. definitely. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, but I think you know one of the things that, that the TrackMan helps us with is also understanding or seeing what our spin rate is. You know, and so I'm, you know, for for those of us that don't understand, I, like you know, ideally off our drivers, what do we want our spin rate to be and why? <laughs> so that spin spin rate is. Um, you know, it, it's not necessarily the same for every person. Um, purely because, I mean, ball flight or any flight is a combination of thrust and lift. So the speed being the thrust and, if you like, the spin being the lift. So someone who's creating a lot of speed won't need as much spin as someone who's creating less speed. And basically, spin is created by being the difference between um, the angle of attack and the dynamic loft. So this is how I can't try to explain it to to people um, in, in what I would consider the easiest way. Two everyday objects that, that kind of we use um, in, in general life are a hammer and a wrench. And they're used in a different way to apply force. A hammer is used to apply force through the center of gravity of an object. And so that hammer directs the object in a, in, a, in a given direction in terms of where the hammer strikes the object. The wrench, the force is applied away from the center of gravity. And so that when you apply force with a wrench, whatever you're applying force to, if you use the wrench in the way that it's designed, would be to um, rotate that object. So the, in effect, the, the dynamic loft acts like a hammer and the attack angle acts like a wrench. And so the difference between those two will rotate the golf ball if it, um, depending on, the, if you like, how far the difference is between the two. And it works the same for the club face and the club path in the horizontal axis. So if the club wow. path, that, that acts like the wrench, and the hammer like the face acts like the hammer. And again, the difference between the two just will be how much spin we're going to apply to, to the golf ball. And the other thing that, if you like, um, makes the golf ball spin is what is commonly referred to as gear effect. Gear effect is just the result of then the hammer not being applied through the center of gravity. So the hammer is applied away from the center of gravity, the face is applied away from the center of gravity, and that then acts as a wrench. So now you have two wrenches in part of force, which is why gear effect imparts a lot more force than just the difference between the face to path angles. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like I hit the, I hit the, you know, the nail with the hammer, but I hit it, you know, off center. So now the hammer instead of going, or the nail going straight into the piece of wood is now bent to the right or bent to the left. Correct. And therefore Correct. I'm hooking or slicing. Correct. Yeah, all right. That's a good way to know it. And, you know, and Andy, is, is there an ideal spin rate? I mean, are there things based on ideal for, based on your swing speed? Like a guy, I, my, my swing speed is around 95 miles an hour. Is there a spin rate, you know, that I should be looking for based on my swing speed? And it's different well, for, you know, the pros are hitting it at 125? Yeah, but again, that would depend on the launch angle that you're creating. Um, you know, it, it, it's... You know, I wouldn't necessarily look to say, I mean, anything, I mean, the, the faster swing swing guys are looking to create something to, to 2,000 uh, RPM, a little bit slower, maybe 2,5. Mrs. Abernathy, she might want 3,000 just to keep it in the air. Hmm. All right. Good to know. 
So, and Andy, let's let's talk a little bit about your home course now, Waters Creek. Looks like an absolutely spectacular facility. I was checking it out online. Talk about you know what it's like there, and you know for people that aren't as familiar with it, or for those folks in and around the area that haven't given it a try, what they can see when they go there. Well, I've been at Waters Creek since April, and I'm absolutely amazed at the facility. The city of Allen bought the facility um, and invested heavily into it. Um, a DIY bring redesigned uh, the, the facility. We have a 50 um, bay hit, hitting grass grass hitting stations. We have a six hole par three golf course, both of which are um, floodlit. We then have a nine hole um, executive course, par 30, and a great 18 hole golf course. If we don't have any um, wish to have anything else. We also have a three-hole, um, a three-green uh, chipping area, a short game area, and two uh, great putting greens. I mean, for me as a coach, um, to use that facility is, is just amazing. There's nothing that, that, that we can't do um, with my colleagues, you know. I work with three great guys, Chris O'Connell, who is coached to Matt Kuchar, um, Jake Sandusky, and Joe Brown. Um, as a team, we, we we're just so pleased to be at Waters Creek. So, Andy, let, let's go back a few years and talk about your time at the Chestnut Park Golf Course and the, the Chingford Golf Course. Chingford is the oldest golf course ever in Essex. Going back to 1886, and Chestnut Park has a has a clubhouse on the property that dates all the way back to 1625. What was it like for you being a part of you know a couple of places with uh, such rich history? Uh, it's, it's got, well, and obviously, uh, England, if you like, the history is, um, is, is kind of much older, if you like. And so, you know, you kind of, I mean, for us in, in England, we kind of don't think of 1600 as being necessarily, necessarily old. Um, and, you know, maybe we just don't appreciate that history as much as, as, much as uh, as, as obviously out here in, in, in the States. So, Let's let's talk about some things that you know you know you see everyday players like you know like me that you know when you're when you're you know teaching us and you got us out on the on, on practice range or you know you're giving a lesson is there is there Andy is there something you see consistently that we amateurs do uh, that we uh, you know obviously we need to get better at is there something consistent from player to player that you see that we you know that we don't do well. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the biggest um, thing that I see with, with golfers, with amateur golfers, is that they, they feel that, that they've they're almost in, uh, doctrinated to, to make an in-to-out type golf swing. You know, over the years, every, I hear everybody talking about someone is over the top, over the top. That's why the ball's going left. Uh, they're over the top. Well, most people, I mean, I would say that more people, if you like, swing into-out than out-to-in. The face of the golf club, um, if you like, dictates where that golf ball starts rather than the path. So when someone hits a golf shot to the left, they automatically think that they're over the top. And they're not. They're inside it with a completely shut club face. And you, you, you see it a lot on a TV where someone hits a shot um, and they hit it left and the commentator calls them that they're over the top. And then all of a sudden they play the golf swing and, and they're kind of not over the top. They're still inside it, but the faces are closed. So if, if, if people can start to understand 
what causes the golf ball to go in a given direction. They're going to start to play better golf rather than worrying about the look of their golf swing. Jim Furyk should not be playing um, the great golf that he's playing if the look of the golf swing matters. The only man to, to break 60 twice on the PGA Tour. Unbelievable golfer. And all he does is get criticized for his golf swing. The man had perfect impact. It's interesting because you tweeted out, I saw you tweeted that out a couple of weeks ago, sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek comment. If, you know, if Jim Furyk shoots the lowest round you know, ever, I think you tweeted it out just as he was finishing up yeah. that 58. You know, it won't count because he doesn't have a pretty golf swing. I thought that was yeah. a funny comment. <laughs> That's all people kind of interested in. Does it look nice? Well, I mean, I kind of, I mean, golf, solving golf swings is the same as solving any problem. You know, there's something wrong. Let's get to the root of why this doesn't work. If I call a plumber out to fix my heating that's not working, he gets to the root of the problem and he, he fixes it. He doesn't paint the heating a different color to make it look nice. Fixes the problem. <laughs> right. And I see too much of that. And, and, and I was guilty of that many years ago because having grown up and, and going being taught to teach, if you like, I mean, the way I was taught to teach was through look. I probably made people worse than uh, as some people worse than making them better. In, and that's the great thing um, about what I do now. We make people better. If we don't make you, pay, if we don't make you better, please don't pay me. That's, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> expect a player to pay a, a plumber if he came in and, and didn't do the job, or a mechanic if he didn't fix my car. And that's the same as, as us as golf professionals. Why would we ask for payment if we don't make you better? Mm, very good point. And Andy, you know, I was just talking with, with Chris Sheehan here a moment ago. And uh, one of the questions I asked Chris was how to improve bunker play, you know, particularly when you're around the greens, how do we get out of the bunker and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and more consistently that sort of thing around the greens. But let's take that a step further back. A lot of us also struggle with long fairway bunker shots, you know, give us an idea. What, what's the proper way for us to get out of a fairway bunker, but still get distance on the shot if we happen to find ourselves, you know, 100, 150 or whatever yards out. And, and unfortunately, we're in the bottom of a fairway bunker. Well, if we go back to, to what I spoke about earlier, that, that most people are swinging into out rather than out to in with a closed face. So when we swing into out, we are moving the bottom of our arc uh, back towards our right foot. And when we swing out to in, we're moving the bottom of our arc forwards towards our left foot. So most people struggle in a bunker is, is to one, to get the ball up in the air and, and two, to, to strike it cleanly enough. Um, and that, that's where the problem lies is that if you like, if people are swinging into or out with a closed face, they're going to be hitting the ground. And if they don't hit the ground, they might catch the ball kind of halfway up with a closed face and then hit the face in front of them. If, if everybody could, could swing the golf club, what they feel like swinging the golf he club head to the left, they're going to move the bottom of the arc forwards and they're going to catch the ball cleanly, give them more chance of getting out of the bunker. I'm talking with uh, Andy Trainer, Trackman Master Professional and Lead Golf Instructor at the Plain Truth Golf Academy in Waters Creek down in Dallas here on Next on the Tee. And Andy, a couple more before we let you go. Um, 
one of the things we talk a lot about on this show is the mental side of the game and uh, curious to get your advice for how, you know, how, how should we handle it? How should we get our minds right? If we happen to make a bad swing or we have a bad hole, how do we refocus ourselves so that one bad hole doesn't lead to several bad holes? I think a lot of that comes down to the shot process. Um, I did some work. I I went through the TPI certification program some time ago. And one of the things that, that the great things that I came out of that with was to to have a shot process. And so we kind of do that with most of the players that I work with. And and that would then encompass fixing what we've done throughout the shot. So part of the shot process is to is to evaluate the shot after we, we hit it and then fix that evaluation. So, you know, if you don't you don't want to be Carrying your your bad baggage on, if you like, onto the next shot. Fix it before you leave the the, the the position. So if you know if you've made a bad swing, just rehearse whatever drills you need to to do. Fix it right there and then. If it's been a bad decision, take a, a mental note that you know. Um, let's say, for instance, you've flown a green um, and you you chose the wrong club. Just take a mental note from from there that that isn't isn't correct. But now. Get, get rid of it, just leave it, and, and move on. You know, the game of golf is, for most people, is something that they do in their, um, if you like, recreation time. And they kind of go to work all week, and this is the time that, that, that they should be enjoying themselves. And yet most people go out on the golf course and they beat themselves up. Surely, you know, you want to be out there enjoying yourself. You get beat up at work all week. Don't go out on the golf course. Mm-hmm. Andy, let's let's talk a little bit about reading greens, another area that a lot of us struggle with. I can't tell you how many times when I'm playing with my buddies, we say to each other, well, I can't believe it broke that way. How, how can we do a better job of uh, reading greens and judging the break? Okay, so you, see, you kind of maybe get that I'm a, a little bit of a technical guy. I like to know the, the ins and outs of everything. Um. And so I want to get to the, oh, if something happens, I want to know why it happens. And Aimpoint has been fantastic for that. Because Aimpoint, if you like, to me, is the track man of reading greens. Um, if someone's struggling with reading greens, please go and do an Aimpoint course. Jake Sandusky, who who's one of my colleagues, is, is absolutely fantastic um, at reading greens. He's an Aimpoint instructor. Um, I have the utmost respect for anyone who is an aim point instructor because, if you like, it's it's the physics of of why that thing is is moving in a direction. I mean, Newton's three laws of motions. I mean, the first one is that an object at rest will remain at rest unless acted upon by another force. And that kind of is is reading greens, isn't it? Right. I mean, that the, I mean, and, and and kind of people, if they got their head around that that slope. I mean, so now all you've got to do is find out where the slope is. And, and Aimpoint teaches people to read it through their feet. Uh, I think that's an incredible thing. So go and get yourself a, um, a digital um, spirit level. Set, find a slope where it's a one-degree slope. Stand on that slope. What does that feel on your feet? Put it on a, on a 2% slope. What, how does that feel on your feet? Where are you feeling the slope through your feet? rather than the look. Once we start looking at things, we can kind of, we, we kind of get optical illusions. And so, you know, from there, that, that's what, when we kind of get fooled. 
And Andy, we were uh, one of the other things I got Chris's uh, feedback on uh, you know, earlier in the show was, you know, obviously golf's return, you know, to the Olympics. And you mentioned Chris O'Connell, Matt Kuchar's coach, you know, working there with you. Matt, obviously bringing the gold medal uh, back home to the U.S. Justin Rose bringing the, the bronze medal, I should say, to the U.S. Justin Rose mm-hmm. getting the the gold medal for for England. Your thoughts on what you've seen uh, so far with golf coming back to the Olympics? Good thing, bad thing, interesting? I think it's been fantastic. You know, I was one of the, the skeptical guys. I mean, as I sit talking to you, I have the, the, uh, the women's golf on in front of me. Uh, we've been right. rained off here from coaching this morning. Um, it can only bring more people into the game. It, um, if then they receive uh, the, the correct coaching, that can only be good for the game. I, I don't see any bad coming out of the golf being in the Olympics. I mean, the exposure worldwide is, is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I mean, my, I mean, my first thought was maybe that the pros shouldn't be playing. But, you know, the more I've watched it, <laughs> they should be playing. Is that the best in the world? Right. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I've I been surprised by my, my, my interest in the, in, in the game. Wasn't sure either. I was a little skeptical heading in. But I tell you what, it's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been great. I think that the the the, the people that bought into it have, are, the, are the ones that have, have done so well. I know that Matt Kuchar. I mean, you just listening to to his interview after. I mean, he was absolutely pumped up. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that that the Olympics in golf will will become very very big. And, and I hope it does. I hope it does as well. Andy, before we let you go, let our listeners know how can they follow you, you know, online, and uh, also, you know, perhaps book a lesson and follow you over social media as well. Okay, so I'm, I'm not the biggest social media guy, but uh, on Twitter, I'm at trainer Andy, T R A Y N O R A N D Y. Um, the Plain Truth, what is uh, we at? Sorry, the Plain Truth, what is Creek dot com. Um, you can email me. And, and feel free to email me as well if you have any questions. I'm, I'm happy to get back to you at andytrainer at plaintruthgolf.com. Um, awesome. And just from there. All right. I'm on, Andy, I'm on thank- Facebook. But as your, your <laughs> earlier listener says, I have no idea why I am on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Andy, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show. You were great. I hope you'll come back and do it again sometime to share more of your, your stories and your insights with us. Love to get more time with you. I would love to, Chris. Uh, and thank you very much for inviting me on. All right. Take care, Andy. All the best to you and your Take family. Care, Chris. Thank you. You too. Bye. That is Andy Trainer again at, uh, at Waters Golf Course down there and uh, just outside of Dallas. So uh, check him out. Uh, you know, boy, you want to talk about a guy with the, with the data to know, and the know-how to help us fix our games. Boy, Andy sure is the guy. So check him out. Let me know what, uh, what you think. And, and, uh, and uh, we look forward to hopefully getting Andy back on the show before uh, not too long. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. Before we close up shop, I want to continue to remind you about our friend and uh, our partners over at, uh, at the Salute Military Golf Association, co-founded by uh, you know, uh, PGA professional Jim Estes. Let's hear a word uh, from Jim about the great things they're doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. 
Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Raise your game to new heights and performance. With a brand that's been known for style, character, and excellence for the last 25 years. The Bobby Jones Company. We have an inspired collection of products that capitalize on fabric technology to deliver a modern look and performance while honoring the legacy of Bobby Jones. And while we deliver on the promise of enduring style, we also work hard to earn your respect your trust, your business, and just as important, your long-term friendship. Communicate that you're here to stay by wearing clothes from a brand that has enduring style and presence, the Bobby Jones Company. Check out all of our great styles by going to bobbyjones.com. All right, everybody, my sincere thanks again to Chris Sheehan and Andy Trainer for making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe Lajanusha. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it on the Armed Forces Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio as well. Plus, you can also, it's available as a podcast. You can find it on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Pardon me, player.fm and SoundCloud as well. This show also available as a podcast and all of those great sites, plus iTunes as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, every single week, we are joined by legends and stars from around the NFL. Uh, so please come listen to us. Check us out. Great stories. We also have the spotlight on the positive where you get to hear, you know, about, uh, you know, some great players doing some great things to have a positive impact on their communities as well on that show. So we try to keep it positive here on Next on the T. We try to keep it positive on Thursday night tailgate. We know you've got, you know, a thousand choices for shows and podcasts to stream or to listen to. And a lot of them, if you're just tired of all the ranting and the raving and the negative news about, you know, whether on Thursday night tailgate about NFL players are just sort of tired of the negative in general. We hope you'll continue to check out this show on Thursday Night Tailgate as well. Please also check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us as well. Plus, you can find us online. This show, nextonthetea.net, thursdaynighttailgate.com. From either site, you can stream or download any of our episodes from, from those sites as well for free. Plus, you get to you know keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be as well. Folks, I can't thank you again and enough for choosing to listen to the show today. We appreciate you the very most. Until next week, hit him straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Christmas Carol, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors 
The media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love. From the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.